good morning. It is so good to see you here today and to be with you and to start this new year, 2024. Um, as it is January, last January, um, I had the opportunity to sort of have a family meeting with us as a church and talk about investing in the next and talking about certain things that we would be focused on in the year 2023. And so we are again coming together for the month of January for sort of a family meeting. And so we're going to pretend that we're sort of in the living room talking about where we're headed, what God has in store, and where we are asking him to move. And so I'm excited about this series. Um, and so with that, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 18 today. Exodus chapter 18, looking at uh, a not so familiar story, maybe to some, to others, you may be familiar with it. Um, but before I read that text, uh, I'm reminded as we get started in this month of an encounter I had some time ago in, in Walmart. I, was, I had just finished checking out, uh, and I was in the very middle set of the registers. And as I was coming up to the front, I, I don't know about you, but I always park on the same side, pretty much in the same aisle, so I never have to worry about remembering where I parked. And so I always park on the non-grocery side. It just is my own little tick and habit. And so I get to the front, and I'm about to turn right, but there's a lot of traffic right there at the front. So I'm looking left to make sure I'm not going to hit someone. And I see um, someone from our church, and they're walking very, very quickly. And so I think to myself, I'm going to wait a second and say hey to them. Um, and so as they're coming up, and again, moving rather quickly, I say, hey, how are you? And they say, hey, pastor, I'm on a mission. And I'm trying to think to myself, you know, a little witty repartee. And the best I could come up with was, I hope it's successful. And as soon as I said, I hope your mission is successful, they immediately turned into the restrooms. It did not invalidate that I did hope that it would be successful. But there are moments, there are moments when a mission gets more clear with the more information that you have. And this morning, what I want to do is talk about our church mission and vision. We talked about this back in August. Our mission statement is awakening people from death to life in Christ. And, and where we sort of see God leading us is to focus on spiritually healthy families and spiritually healthy leaders. And then this title is one of our six values, investing in the next. And what I want to do is sort of think through over these next few weeks, if we are to take our next step forward as a church of developing spiritually healthy leaders and spiritually healthy families, what is our next step? If we're going to accomplish what God is sort of putting before us in the next three to five years, what is important for us to do this year? Does that make sense? And so that's sort of where we're at. And so today, as we look at Exodus 18, I think that there's a word and some application for us for 2024 as it relates to developing spiritually healthy 
leaders. And so with that, um, I'm going to be referencing things from 18, 1 through 27, but I'm going to read verses 13 through 23. So follow along with me, either in your Bible or on the screen, beginning in verse 13. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another and I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You're not able to do it alone. Now, obey my voice. I will give you advice, and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God, and you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, Look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy, hate a bribe, and place them over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure, and all this people also will go to their place in peace. This passage is often referred to as Jethro's advice to Moses. It is actually the point in time with this, um, this new sort of entity of Israel having left Egypt in the Exodus, where they begin to understand their legal proceedings, how they will function. Um, so just as some context, what's happened right before where we read is Moses has gone to the Pharaoh, the plagues, the ten plagues, ending with the, the death of the firstborn who did not have the lamb's blood over the doorpost has taken place. Pharaoh said, take the Israelites and go. They leave taking um, possessions. And then they go. Pharaoh changes his mind and sends the army after and God opens the Red Sea as they walk across on dry land. And then Pharaoh's men, the army, was vanquished as God closed the Red Sea on them. And they've been guided all the way back to Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai where Moses first had the vision of the burning bush where God told him to go to Egypt. And now they are awaiting. Soon after this passage, Moses will receive the tablets of the Ten Commandments. This is sort of where we are in this. So he is now leading this huge group of people. And at the beginning of Exodus chapter 18, we have this one chapter that describes where Jethro, his father-in-law, comes to visit. And at some point, I guess Moses had traveled with his wife Zipporah and his two sons and thought to himself, I'm about to square off with Pharaoh. I need my family 
to be safe. And so he had sent his family back to Jethro. And presumably, we don't know this, but it would make sense. Presumably, he told Jethro, when God has promised that I will lead the people out, we will come back to this mountain. And when we come back to this mountain, by God's promise, would you bring my family back? And so Jethro brings Moses' wife and his two sons, and they show up and they greet each other, much like many of you did over the last few weeks of the holidays as you gather together, you greet in-laws and greet family and reunited and celebrating. And they sit down, and Moses begins to describe. Can you imagine this conversation? Moses begins to give an update of what he's been up to lately. Ten plagues, leading a million people, Red Sea just opened up, enemies vanquished. Now we're here waiting on God's next instructions, and Jethro is blown away. See, Jethro, just for a little side note, a little background, Jethro is not an Israelite. He is a Midianite. He is actually a priest of the Midianites, which most likely would mean that he was a priest to a false god. But he was already sort of positioned religiously to understand that there are gods. And so Moses tells him this story of what God, Yahweh, has done. And Jethro says, now I know that Yahweh is above every other God. And Jethro worships Yahweh. Then the next day, after that amazing moment, he's like, take your father-in-law to work day, I guess. And so he brings Jethro out, and Moses is sitting down. And from morning until evening, Moses is sitting there, and people are coming with their legal cases, things as small, it could have been as I had 10 goats, my neighbor, um, I think, took one of my goats, or my goat wandered over into his area, what do we do, or, I mean, any and everything, and day to evening, he is sitting there hearing cases, both large and small. And at the end of the day, his father-in-law, many of you may have also experienced this over the holidays, gives some unsolicited advice. And so his father-in-law says, what, what, what's going on? What am I observing? What's happening here today? And Moses says, I'm, I'm basically the only one that can distribute what God's judgment is for the people. And so I'm sitting here trying to help the people discern God's will. On one hand, that sounds like, yeah, that's a good thing. But Jethro says, what you're doing, it's not good. And I had to take Moses aback a little bit. Hey, Father-in-law, I, I just, I'm leading a million people here. I just stood up to Pharaoh. What do you mean what I'm doing is not good? And he says, you're going to wear yourself out and all the people. I think about, for me, the lines that I hate waiting in. Like you go to an amusement park and you wait in an hour-long line. At least there's joy at the end of it in a 30-second ride. But when my wife on the occasion says, hey, I need you to pick up some photos from the Walmart photo department, that is a brutal line. 
I hate waiting in that line. There's no queue. You don't know who's next. Um, I have no idea whether the photos are done or not or whether they'll be able to find them. And I, I, it's just maddening to me to wait in that line. For others, it may be waiting in the line at the DMV or whatever it might be. But we all know what it's like to be worn out waiting in a line that we have to wait in. And Jethro says, it is not good for you or for all these people that from morning to night, you're the only one. And he says, look, there's a system that could work. Yes, you still need to be um, doing your part, but there are others. There are other leaders that could take their place and handle thousands of people, hundreds of people, fifties of people, tens of people, and they can handle the small goat dis disputes. But when it comes to something that they can't handle, let that be the one that comes up to you. You see, there's, there's this system that says let others delegate what they can delegate and you do what only you can do. It will be both good for you as a leader and for the people. So this is a very important principle as we move into 2024, as I want us to just sort of unpack this for a few moments, two basic principles, and then sort of let you know where our needs stand in regards to this application. So the first thing is we prepare for this new year. I want us to think about this. It is good, number one in your outline, it is good for us to celebrate what God did in 2024. 23. As I mentioned, around verse 8, Jethro comes, Moses sits down, and all he does in that conversation is brag about what God has done for Israel. What God did. There is a difference in telling a story of look what God did here with the emphasis being look what God did here versus look what God did here where it's focused on us. And what I want to do is I want to just take a few moments as almost like a recap in case, in case you don't know. I did this at our, our business conference, but I'll do an abbreviated version. But I just want us to celebrate and think about what God did in this place. In 2023, man, God was at work. We saw, and um, actually there was a, on Facebook, uh, was just put up uh, sort of a reel. Of, we had around 50 plus baptisms in 2023. 50 plus people who went from death to life in Christ. We had, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We had an additional... We had an additional um, almost 50-plus people who joined Harmony Hill as a member and went through our membership class. And we only offered classes the last half of the year because we were reworking the class. And we actually have a few more that we could add to that that we'll be presenting in a few weeks that took the last class at the end of the year. God is moving. I, th I think about the fact that after 50 years of Pastor John, we had a pastoral transition and yet remained unified and Christ-honored and together. Ladies and gentlemen, that is God doing something here. 
That has really nothing to do with me and nothing to do with Pastor John. It has everything to do with the Holy Spirit working unity into the hearts of this body. God did something here. I, I think about um, if that wasn't enough for 2023, we opened our kids' building. That building was started pre-2020, and y'all may remember a couple things that happened in that year. And yet, after all the delays and everything that happened, we, had, we started back in 2018 or 2019 with a $6.5 million budget. And after all that has happened between then and now, we only overran that budget by about $60,000. I am not a construction person, but the construction people I know say that is God moving. That does not happen over that long a period of time. And once we opened that building last year, man, we have seen families coming and kids inviting their friends, and we're seeing kids um, just growing in leaps and bounds. And many of those who came to Christ last year and were baptized were children or youth. God was moving in 2023. Not only that, but if that, those things weren't enough, we, we felt the need to expand our student ministry from one group and making it middle school and high school. And I, I wish I could go into how much God is amazing that at, I'm talking at just the right moment when we needed it, God provided $100,000 so that we could renovate that the old tree house into a middle school space. I'm talking, we could not have gone one more week without the fire marshal shutting us down in the student building. And now we have high school and middle school. And not to mention that in 2023, God, for the first time in actually several years, provided us with a full pastoral and ministry leading staff. God has been at work in 2023. 23, not to even mention the graciousness of God to our fellowship with our Niger mission team. I, I cannot even tell you uh, how much I am thankful to God that he chose in mercy for the outcome that he chose for us. I mean, just personally, I, I mean, I'm, I'm less than six months into being the lead pastor and going, oh, we've got, our, we've got our kids. I mean, these kids that I was just their student pastor not, you know, six months ago. And God was faithful and it drove our fellowship here to pray and to our knees. God has been faithful and has been at work. And the reason that I want to go through that with us. And there's many other things that I could share. But those, just a, a tip of the iceberg, if you will, is that Moses shared with Jethro how God was faithful to his people. And the truth in your outline is when we share, I only read it correctly, but when God's story is told, people are awakened from death to life. See, when God gets the glory, 
You may be here this morning and you are wondering, is God still at work? And can I just tell you, yes, he is. Both in the life of our church and if I were to open a microphone for testimony of what God did in the lives of individuals and individual families, we would be here from morning till evening sharing the story of God. Look, some of you, 2023, you could not have been happier when the ball dropped and the calendar turned over. 2023 was a rough year. But even in that, I I would dare to say you could look back and see where God sustained you, even in a rough year. Others, you come to 2023 or 2024 and you're a little sad to see it go because 2023 was a great year. And you can also share how God was the one who was faithful and the author of every good and perfect gift of a blessing you received last year. God is at work. And it is important that as we go into 2024 that we are a people that are not afraid to tell the story of who God is. Because when people see that God is active and moving, they will be just like Jethro and be awakened from death, from false gods, to life and true worship of our King. That's our first thing, to celebrate, to be reminded. See, sometimes it's good to be reminded that God was faithful as we walk into the unknown and go, God, you were faithful then and we are trusting you to be faithful in the next few months. We don't know what's coming. He knows what's coming. When we stood up here in January next year, we had no idea about some of the things that would take place. But number two, as we move into Jethro's advice, it's good for us to pray and prepare for what God has for us in 2024. As I think about our next steps of spiritually healthy leaders, that's sort of my focus today. In the next three to five years, we are going to need seasoned leaders. I mean, if we're really going to impact families for Christ and youth and children and their parents in the coming three to five years, I'm just throwing, this is a family meeting. If you're a visitor, I'm glad you're here, but I'm talking primarily to our family here We are woefully underprepared in terms of leaders for those groups. In three to five years, if we're going to be ministering to a greater number of people, we cannot do nothing today and think we'll be ready in three to five years. Um, Particularly right now, um, our, uh, our biggest Areas of need is certain, and I'm not just talking about volunteers. Certainly we need volunteers in a lot of areas. I'm today specifically talking about those who will step up and be leaders. See, I'll come back to that in a moment, but Jethro tells Moses, you can't do this alone. You need to find people that can be responsible to shepherd thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. 
And this is for the judicial system in Deuteronomy 1 and in Numbers 11. We see that Moses took the same principle for the spiritual shepherding of the people as well. Finding those and that have the quality of being people of integrity, who love the Lord, and who will do the right thing because it's the right thing. He's saying we need people on every level that can handle all these different matters. And what I'm saying is this. I am praying that through this month, and I'm going to be asking you to pray on two levels, and I'll explain that in a minute, that God will raise up leaders for a specific window of our church. Those who are between 20 years old and 40 years old, we need more shepherds, more life group leaders. We are we are not prepared in that area. There, one of those uh, segments has one active life group. I think it's um, like a young, like newlyweds. We don't even have an, like there was a newlyweds, but now they all have kids. That, that sort of happens, right? And so we need another newlyweds group. We need uh, unmarried without children you know, young married groups. We need those who are ministering to families who are just having kids. We need those who are having life groups for those who are in their 30s and 40s who are now moving their kids into youth age. We're, we're missing that segment. We have the groups that are existing are huge because they're the only ones that are doing it. And I just want to say, if you are already a leader in those areas, thank you. Press on, do not grow weary in doing good. But, oh God, would you raise up more leaders? I was uh, actually having breakfast uh, this week, uh, I'll call him out in this service, with LeVan. Uh, many of you know LeVan. And we were talking about when he was first asked to teach. And, and, and this has just um, stuck with me all week since we had breakfast that um, he said that when he was asked to teach his first Inclination was, oh, no, I can't do that. you, you got to be crazy to ask me. But then what he told me was is that because someone had asked, that little seed God began to begin cultivating until there was a fire in his bones. And now LeVan is one of our best teachers on the hill, one of the most faithful Bible teachers. And he started by teaching two youth. Two high school girls, as a matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, LeVan. Just to me, here's the thought is, as I've thought about that, how do we take someone who's a, who says, oh, I can't do that, and they become a LeVan? Well, one is this. You've got to know that there's a need. And then I'm just praying that God, for some in this fellowship and one of these three services or watching online, that it's going to begin and God is going to just grow that into a desire. Do you understand the number one excuse when we ask, when Pastor Justin or somebody asks, hey, will you teach a class? I don't know enough. You know, the best way to learn is to teach a class. <laughs> you will never learn more than when you have to teach the class. There are others that say, I, I'm just not sure that I, I, I know how to do it. Um, well, there's a reason that we're not going to put you in um, a group of 100 people. We'll start you in a small group, 
where you can learn. And we have Justin and we have other leaders who will invest and train and help you that you can reach out and go, hey, I bombed this past week. Uh, what do I do? Or, hey, somebody came to the class and they had this question and I didn't know how to respond to it. How do I help them? Can you just understand everyone who has ever taught a class had those same issues. First time I ever taught a class, um, I felt woefully underprepared. I felt like nobody was paying attention to what I was saying. Um, I was teaching the youth, so that's, there's a high likelihood that was the case. Um, I felt like they had questions that I had no idea how to help them. Um, they were not afraid to ask hard questions, which made it even more of a challenge. And yet, God had put a calling to invest in the next. See, what, what Moses is doing here, what Jethro's advice is suggesting, Moses can't be the person for all of Israel. And to be just quite honest, I can't be the person for everybody in this congregation. I have a role, I have a place, I have a gift and a responsibility. But if we are to truly impact people, spiritually healthy leaders, spiritually healthy families, they need someone in groups of 10 and in 50 and 100 and then in our whole congregation that they can go to for help. That they can ask the question, how do I make this life of following Christ real? I need accountability. I need instruction. I need help. They need someone to invest in them. Why did Jethro give this advice? Number one, so that we don't wear each other out. There's a, a, a typically a rule in churches, it's not a good rule, it's just a reality rule, that 80% of the work gets done by 20% of the people. Which means this, many of those who are incredible volunteers in our church wear multiple hats. They're serving in children's, they're teaching a life group. Some of you are teaching two to three life groups. Um, you are uh, holding doors, you're passing out bulletins, you're playing in the orchestra, you're going on mission trips, and yet we have another 80%, I would call it as untapped potential of what God has. See, Paul describes the body of Christ as a body that every part has a place and a purpose. And when we're not playing our part and purpose, we are wearing each other out. There's a high rate of burnout for the volunteers who are trying to do more than their share. Does that make sense? I'm surprised some of you that have like six hats aren't with a louder amen right there, but okay, being polite. The second reason Jethro gives this, and this is really the key, it's why is he making this? So that knowing how to follow Christ becomes even more accessible for our people. What's happening here with Jethro to Moses is this, and, and, and this is where you got to sort of get the 10,000 foot view. Moses is the only one that is hearing from God and able to make decisions 
on issues. And Jethro's advice is telling him, you've got to be able to make this more accessible to people. The, these leaders that step forward for the thousands, the hundreds, the fifties, and the tens, they need to know what God's stance is on things so that they can help people. Right after this, Moses goes and gets the Ten Commandments and the law. Here's why that's important. Now it's written down. Now it is able to be handed to all the leaders so that it doesn't vortex to one, but now everyone can have access to understand how to obey God. When we have a newlywed couple that comes to this church and maybe they don't know Christ, maybe they're new in their faith, they cannot depend on me alone on Sundays for them to know everything, every question that they have about how to live a God-honoring marriage. But if they're in a life group with someone who's able to pour into them, they now have someone a lot closer who can help them go, here's how it is accessible for you to follow Christ and to be obedient to him. Does that make sense? Anybody with me on this? See, right now, we, we have um, about 700 people, which is amazing, 700 people connected to an adult life group. So that's not necessarily counting our children and youth in that number. Ladies and gentlemen, during the course of a month, we might have 1,500 individual adults come to one of our three services which means we have over half of the people that might come here at least once a month not connected to an accessible means of how to be obedient to Christ. Some of that's on those that have not sought out a group, but some of that, to be quite honest, and why we're having a family meeting, we don't have anywhere for them to go. Because when they show up at one place, it looks too full. And everybody's already been together for a decade, and it's hard to crack that nut. And so how do they, how, where do they find community? So this is me standing on behalf of our church to say, if we are going to meet the goals of seeing people awaken from death to life in Christ, spiritually healthy leaders, spiritually healthy families, we've got to pray for God to start raising up people to specifically start targeting that window of 20 to 40. Here's the good news. Today, today, if we had six people or couples come forward and say, I'd be willing to try to start a group. We have rooms available at the most uh, desirable time, which is 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. Once the kids moved to their new building, the upstairs of our admin building was renovated in order to be available and used for adult life groups. And we only have one meeting upstairs and one meeting in the conference room downstairs during 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings. And I believe it's either five or six classes available, empty, that could immediately start meeting. That does not even take into account if somebody wanted to start a group that met at this hour or at the 11.30 hour. I'm not sure we have any groups that meet outside of the 10 o'clock hour. 
not to mention Wednesdays or other nights of the week, the life group that I participate in, it meets on Sunday nights. There is literally no end of opportunity, and we could start next week trying to at least create spaces that are available. And can I just say this? I'm not even really looking for teachers, though that is a part of the role. I'm asking God for those who will be shepherds. It's not just about teaching a class. It's about helping people walk in obedience to Christ. So the last thing here this morning is an action step. I'm going to ask you to join me this month in praying, maybe a dangerous prayer for some. Would you commit this year to praying for our current leaders? Because we have, a, we have 65 uh, life group leaders right now who are ministering to that 700. And I just say thank you again. Do not grow weary in doing good. We cannot do what God has called us to do without you. And would you pray for God to raise up new leaders for the coming days ahead? And the reason I say that's a dangerous prayer is that I believe if you begin to pray that, God may very well say you're the answer to that prayer. So this is what we're going to do. I'm gonna, i got one more little slide up here. It's at the bottom of the notes. But this is sort of where we're headed for the next couple of weeks. Today I'm asking a call for us to pray for leaders to invest in the next, to build our leadership pipeline, to strengthen it so that we are ready for what God has in the next couple of years. Next week we're going to talk about spiritually healthy families. What does it look like for us to invest in the next in our homes? And then the third week we're going to have a call for spiritually healthy stewardship, as exciting as that building is. Um, we still got to pay for it, so I will give you an update on week three of what we did last year, which is amazing what God did, and then also ask for commitments for 2024 towards that. And then we're going to ask the church from that Sunday to the following Sunday to pray and fast over those commitments. And then the last Sunday of the month, we're going to have a commitment Sunday uh, where we'll have some cards beginning next week where you can begin to pray through those commitments, fill those out, and then we'll have a time together to bring those before the Lord as a commitment. I'm excited about this month, and I'm excited because I believe if God has put it in our heart to minister to families and leaders in our community, then he will raise up those who will help shepherd that age group. And for that, I look forward to seeing what God is going to do. I'm going to invite Stacy. I'm not uh, because uh, I've got like 40 seconds. Um, and I, I want to, in honor of those uh, children's workers over there, I don't want to belay, delay us. So let me pray for us. And would you, would you just stand and join me in praying that God would raise up leaders and that he would strengthen and encourage our current shepherds and leaders in our church. Let's pray. Father, you're so good. I, I, I cannot even begin to give thanks to you for what you did last year even. The lives that you've changed, the families you've touched, the spirit of prayer within our fellowship, the unity 
that we feel here, all those come from you, God, and we give you praise today. And God, we know that you've called us as a church for a purpose to awaken people from death to life by your Spirit in Christ. God, we want to see families changed for Christ in our community. God, would you do that this year? Father, would you change lives? Would you awaken people from sin to turn to faith? God, would you stir the baptismal waters this year as people come to faith, moving from darkness to light, death to life? God, would you give us an opportunity to impact families and And God, we need your hand. Would you stir amongst our people? God, would you put a burden for shepherding young people into the lives of those that you have called and gifted and want to use for that purpose? Father, I pray that we would see uh, just a growth spiritually in those from 20 to 40 as they seek to start families and have families and raise families and teenagers. God, be with our staff, be with our pastors, be with our elders. Give us wisdom and discernment for how to partner with our families for discipleship and worship in our homes. Lord, be with us in our discipleship wing of the church, children, youth, and and, uh, adults. God, give us wisdom in how to train and equip and give confidence and still confidence to those that will be leading. God, I, I just want to say thank you for those who are already leading, doing their part, shepherding. Help them, Father, to even raise up other leaders from under their ministry. God, we just hold out 2024 before you. You know what's coming. We have no idea. God, guide our step. Be a light for our path that we may honor you. God, I do pray a prayer of blessing on our families and individuals that are here this morning. God, would you honor their desire to worship you and bless their 2024. It's in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Y'all have a great afternoon.